It's time for Open Line Friday on the Andy Griffin Show. It's your chance to be heard, air your grievances, and take your shot. Only on Open Line Friday on the Andy Griffin Show. Morning, I am Andy Griffin. Great to be here today. Love to hear from you. 673-5890 is the phone number. Got a couple of things we want to talk about. Uh, first of all, let me uh, let me uh, give you a little preview of some of the guests we're going to be having on this show in the 9 o'clock hour over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Brad Pearson. Brad Pearson is going to be on here. Brad was the video guy, the, the main video guy, the head of video for the Utah Jazz for many years, during a, including the glory years with uh, Carl Malone and John Stockton. Brad's going to bring a couple of uh, surprise guests with him. Uh, it'll be a fun show. That's coming up uh, next week, next Monday. Uh, also coming up next week, Ron Thompson. I'm talking about the fact that it hasn't rained here in, oh, like four months, uh, at least not significantly. We'll also hear from the St. George Police Department. will be on the show. Mayor Kenny Nielsen from Washington City. Lance LaRusso is going to join me. Uh, in the next, uh, oh, is it like 10 days from now? Lance is a former police officer, retired police officer. He's now a lawyer representing police officers uh, in uh, domestic abuse cases in, and uh, really an advocate for police and veterans who are suffering from uh, PTSD. We'll talk a little bit about that with him. Katie Corrales from Channel 4. She's the, she's the Southern Utah reporter for ABC4 in Salt Lake City. She does a story. Basically, she files one major story from Southern Utah every single day on Channel 4 News. So uh, we're going to get Katie in here. Ralph Atkin, longtime St. George resident and a uh, uh, guy that uh, grew up here and was really, he founded Sky West. Just, just a big part of the fabric of what is St. George. He'll be on the show. Coralise Ruiz will be on the show. Coralise is uh, from the U.S. Census Bureau. We'll talk about how the census and the money that the state gets are very, very much aligned uh, and uh, so it'll be good to have her on here. Dr. Blodgett will uh, be coming about two weeks from now. Dr. Blodgett will be in here. And uh, a lot of a lot of cool guests coming up. So just kind of a little sneak preview of what to expect over the next couple of weeks. And, of course, we'll continue with our open line Friday every Friday night, or every Friday morning, rather. Uh, we'll be here to talk about some of the cool stuff going on uh, in my life, in your life, and whatever, whatever else is on your mind. Last night I had the opportunity to be the moderator basically the MC for the Washington City Council debate. There's six candidates. There's three spots open. Uh, it was fun. It was interesting. It was enlightening. Uh, the uh, candidates, let's see if I can remember them by name, Troy Belliston, Craig Coates, Kurt Ivey, uh, Ben Martinson, Cress Staley, and Marsha Whitney are the six candidates over in Washington City. Uh, kind of interesting uh, we never really opened it up for questions from the floor, but we had six prepared questions, and then we took some questions on little index cards. For uh, I was able to ask three or four more questions, and then we just ran out of time. But it was a very interesting debate. Some of the questions, uh, how do you feel about the Lake Powell pipeline? Uh, five of the six candidates said, yeah, we need it. The growth is here. We've got, we've got to have that, or we're in trouble. Um, one of the questions was about the Northern Corridor. Uh, connecting Green Springs through to the west side of St. George. And uh, that that's another one that was a little bit of contra. I, I think the general feeling was four out of the six were for, uh, you know, connecting that through. Uh, two out of the six were against, although 
all of them had little caveats like, uh, all right, is it feasible? Uh, how much is it going to cost? What kind of environmental impact would it, would it have? So I thought that was really interesting. And a lot of questions surrounded, um, you know, over in Washington City, and I used to live, I lived in Washington City for 19 years. I now live in St. George City, but um, Washington City is a little bit, I don't know, dis, I don't know if dysfunctional is the right word. It's a little bit broken apart. You've got Coral Canyon out there. That's actually part of Washington City. Then you have Old Town, Washington City, basically downtown by the, you know, by the uh, cotton mill and, uh, or, the, yeah, the uh, cotton mill there, which is now Star Nursery. Uh, and, and then you have, you know, the, the, the Buena Vista area over there on the other side of the freeway. And, of course, the new stuff, Brio. And, and those, and then and then you go uh, up to Bella Vista, which is up on top of the ridge, kind of by itself. And then you go out to the fields, and a lot of the fields, the Washington Fields area, is still in Washington City. Of course, there's a section of it that is in St. George, but uh, you go out there, and uh, you know it just feels Washington Washington City is really spread out, and there seems to be a little bit of land in between each section. Uh, for instance, the freeway cutting off, you know, Old Town versus the, versus uh, Buena Vista and. Uh, Brio, and, and so uh, Washington City feels kind of disjoint. That's the word I was looking for, disjointed. There's all these segments of Washington City, and they're all actually part of one city, but uh, but is it, you know, does it feel like one city? It, it kind of doesn't. You know, Coral Canyon feels like its own its own town. Uh, Washington Fields feels like its own town. And uh, and that was actually a pretty hot topic at the at the uh, forum last night for the Washington City Council candidates on what can we do to unite uh, Washington City, and uh, you know their answers were interesting. Some of the answers were, well, let's have more activities in some of these other places. For instance, let's have, you know, let's have some city activities, whether it's a twenty fourth party, you know, and parade or, or or something like that. Can can we have more of those in other places? And yet there were a couple of old school uh, people from Washington that said, no, no, no. No, no. We, in order to unite it, we get all of these people in all these different places to come together in one spot, which that spot in the past has been Veterans Park in downtown Washington City. But, uh, you know, it, it was, it was kind of interesting to see the thoughts on those topics. And uh, I, I don't know what the answer is in the uniting of Washington City. Uh, a lot of people in St. George feel like Washington City is still just a suburb of St. George. And maybe that's a bad word. Maybe I shouldn't say that. If you live from Washington, you might have strong feelings about that. Uh, I raised five kids in Washington City. So I was still in the process of raising two of them. But uh, three of my five kids have grown up and, and moved out. And, uh, you know, my son, my oldest son, AJ, proudly calls himself a dog towner. That's the old, it uh, used to be a slur, kind of a slam. Oh, Washington, that's dog town. He loves it. He, he wears that as a badge of courage. In fact, when he uh, when he bought a rental property that he uh, now owns, uh, they wanted him to form an LLC uh, so that he could manage that property through a limited liability uh, property there. And he named his LLC Dogtown LLC. Kind of proud of that. So uh, you know, I I don't know. I I never I never felt like Dogtown was a very complimentary uh, 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 description of Washington City. I. I've never owned a dog, not since my uh, in, in my adult years. My wife is uh, badly allergic to animals, but uh, yeah, d- you know, Dogtown. Some people take that as a badge of, uh, of pride. Other people think it's a slur. I don't know. How do you feel if you're from Washington City? Six seven three five eight nine zero is the phone number. There's a topic I want to get to, and I might wait till a little bit later in the hour uh, because we want to go to the phone lines right away. And uh, let's uh, let's go to Seth. Seth, how are you this morning? Hey, 
women's best friend? Well, I think women women are, but uh, some people say dogs are men's best friend. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you want a friend in Washington, get a dog. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it. it, it I don't think it's a slur. I, I don't. I, I've heard it said like a slur, though. You know what I mean? Like, oh, those are dog town. You know, it's kind of like it's a bad thing. But my son thinks it's a great thing. Well, uh, when I lived in St. George, I lived in Sandtown. Uh-huh. And they call they called it Sandtown because every time the wind blew, uh, uh, this was a hundred years ago. Of course, we would get covered over with red dirt. So, but yeah. still, I don't consider this is the environment we live in. And if you live on the west side, maybe that's Sandtown. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know they've renamed that Bluff Street Park to, back to Sandtown Park, like it used to be years ago. So, exactly. Now, uh, I hope I don't get too personal. Have you had your breakfast this morning? Uh, no, I, I found that eating uh, before and during my show just doesn't quite work for my, my uh, bowel system, so I stay away from food until after I'm off the air. So you have had nothing to You're fasting. Is that, is that true? Well, except for the little G2 bottle I sip during the show, but yes. Okay. Well, let's just pretend you had the standard American breakfast, that hash house a go-go. Okay. And uh, um, do you ever think about who or what digests your food? Who or what digests my food? Well, my my digestive tract does, right? Or, Or are you referring to something else? I'm talking about the biome. Okay. Okay. Would you believe there are... Three to five pounds of bacteria in your uh, gut. That I have heard that. I try not to think about that because it sounds disgusting. But I have heard that. Yes. Okay, and it's it's got uh, um, uh, fungi. It's got uh, viruses. It's got uh, even worms. Yeah. And all of those are necessary to digest your food. Yeah. And. That supplies the minerals and the fuel for the cells, and quite remarkably, it also supplies all of your hormones and all of the brain chemicals and serotonin and uh, all of the other things that operate your entire body, and that there is a brain down there that sends messages to the other brain and more messages are coming from your gut than is going from the brain down, and that all of our life force comes from this, uh, these bacteria that make up 90%. You're only 10% Andy. Hmm. And the biome, foreign creatures from a different dimension are actually you and that you're a condominium (laughs) that holds these vital uh, organisms that do all of these wonderful things for you. And uh, we really don't comprehend how vitally important they are. And then you go to the doctor or the dentist and they give you an antibiotic and it uh, slaughters lots and lots of them, and the ones that persist are the ones that do us a great deal of harm. Hmm. Now, I've been researching uh, online, 
and the world's greatest doctors are saying, and uh, I think Jack LaLanne said this, he said, if it tastes good, spit it out. Mm. Because you're not supposed to eat for your taste buds. You're supposed to eat what that microbiome wants you to eat to feed them and propagate them. Because if you don't, you're going to be having heart disease. And the thing that's really caught my attention is mental uh, problems with your mind and and the psych- psychotropic compounds and an increase in mental illness because the biome is now been pulverized by antibiotics and antibiotics and doctors really do have their place you have a broken bone you go to a doctor but if you go to a doctor and demand antibiotics that may in fact do you more harm than good and then of course much of the food we eat is uh, saturated with uh, antibiotics that help animals gain weight quickly but you can't dismiss antibiotics completely i mean oh no 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 i'm not i'm not saying if they they do have a place but if they slaughter uh, these critical um um what do we call them, uh, little beings that make for our well-being. If, if our biome were to disappear, we would die instantly. Mm. And that's how really important it is. And I would just challenge everybody to go online and begin to understand this uh, um, world or culture that's going on inside of us that we don't uh, have any recognition of what it is or how it works or how important it is for uh, there's one on my uh, uh, YouTube channel right now about how heart disease is caused by the biome Hmm. and the malfunctioning of it along with almost every autoimmune disease like diabetes and and because the biome is, is out of whack, they're coming up with a new form of diabetes called Diabetes 3. Really? Which is Alzheimer's, dementia, and loss of your mental capacities. Hmm. And so with the blood sugar and the way the entire system works together, it's very, and the more diverse the biome would be, meaning eating wholesome kinds of food um, that promote those things, uh, that, that it wants to eat the fiber and the beans and the things that fruits and vegetables and the things that provide uh, habitat and, and the correct nutrition for them instead of soda pop and pizza and donuts and sugar. That do hey, hey exactly. quit, quit describing my diet. That's not very nice. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was <laughs> thinking of maybe hash house to go go. But uh, <laughs> well, let let, let me uh, let me uh, kind of sum this up, or or have you sum it up for me? What what would be your advice to us? Then you want us to do do more research on it? If, if I have another thing to worry about, uh, Seth, my head might explode because I got a lot of worries right now in my life. Well, I understand, and maybe the worries are coming from a fungal overgrowth, candida. <laughs> And maybe uh, there were doctors, uh, Dr. Hansen, I believe, that 
taught courses and try and did treatments for candida fungal overgrowth. Mm. And so maybe your stress is coming from your biome. And so there's no way I can explain a couple, three hundred hours worth of information in two or three or five minutes, whatever it takes. So uh, I can't do anything other than suggest uh, that people begin to realize what is really going on and how to fix almost everything. A guy by the name of Hippocrates said, let thy food be thy medicine, let thy medicine be thy food. Mm. Okay? That's pretty deep. And, and that was 2,500 years ago, and I hear, and I've read the Hippocratic Oath, they've changed it more recently um, to cut, burn, and poison, but the doctor's job is to do no harm. Right, that's the and theory. if he hands you an antibiotic that paralyzes your biome, then maybe he might be doing us harm instead of saying, Andy or Seth, change what you eat, change, exercise, get out in the sun, drink clean, pure water, do some really basic things, and you'll live longer and be happier. All right. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate it. You know, that's great advice. I think one of the problems probably doctors keep running into is that they give us that advice and we ignore it. We don't do it. We don't want to do it because donuts do taste good and soda pop does taste good and pizza is delicious. So that that to me that's that's one of the one of the real issues involved here is that uh, a lot of doctors are trying but a lot of patients aren't real cooperative. Let's go back to the phone line. Caller, you're on with Andy. How are you today? Hey, Andy. Yeah. It's a good day. It is a good. It's I always just, a good day. I was just listening to Seth and um I want to say, and I've listened on enough for many, many years that I've lived in this area, listen to your show. I think what Seth had to say was probably one of the most inspirational and important topics for the whole of the United States to be paying attention to. And, you know, it's not a little thing. It's a big thing. And I think he did such a good job of presenting it excuse me please Mm -hmm. in a concise way it's all I can say is it would change the course of you know the health of the nation and prevention prevention is not really what physicians are trained for right they know very little about holistic health and they don't like to go there because they can't you know prove it out of a book or or they haven't they haven't been taught, um, and we've known that antibiotics antibiotics um, the overuse of antibiotics has been on the top of the world health agenda for probably thirty years. Well, and I like what you and said. You the, the, the word you used, overuse. Now, and I don't think Seth was implying we don't use antibiotics. I think we have to carefully and cautiously use antibiotics. There's no question absolutely, we need Absolutely, absolutely. But it wasn't known back in the day when you and I were kids. Well, I'm older. When yeah. I was a kid, it wasn't known. And antibiotics were a miracle drug, yeah. and they got prescribed for everything. Yeah. And that can really permanently do harm to your 
your biome. It's um, and it, and we're still fighting it because because most organisms now can can defeat. Yeah, mutate many yeah. many of the many of the common illnesses that we've had. Um, they've changed. They're more resistant to antibiotics. There are more new new diseases coming out that are resistant to antibiotics. And the antibiotics that are being developed are now so harsh and, um, you know, uh, almost dangerous. It's sometimes they have to require special care to be used. Yep. So yep. everything that he was saying is right on the money. Okay. And it would be worth everyone's while to pay attention to it for for the health of our own children. All right. Thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Let's go uh, back to, uh, let's go to line three. Uh, caller, you're on with Annie. How are you this morning? Hi. Good. Thank you. Um, going with the same subject here since we started on medical stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, trying to make this as uh, short as I can. My daughter, who is now in her 40s, uh, when she was 17, she was, she was dying, and the University of Michigan Hospital sent her home um, because she had no digestive properties in her body hmm. from having been on antibiotics for a very long time, and they said they could do no more for her. Really? So, yeah. So a friend of mine said I, he knew of a naturopath up. I was, I'm from Michigan, and he was, from, he was in northern Michigan. I called him, and he said, you need to get her to me right now, which I did. And um, anyways, he, what he did was through um, her bowels, he put back um, digestive enzymes. Mm -hmm. He saved her life, lots of acidophilus, which is the good bacteria that we need to have in there. Um, he saved her life. Like I said, she's 47 years old now, and she's fine. Um, my husband would wake up at night with heartburn, and one time he ingested it into his lung. We had to go to the emergency room. Oh, boy. Um, the, our doctor, also a naturopath, <laughs> uh, said what, what people are doing is taking these, like, Tums and, and pur the purple pill and things for, for um, heartburn, and it's it masking it, but it's not helping it. And he did the same thing. He gave my husband digestive enzymes. And he said, some people, depending on your age, when you start having these kind of problems, you've just got to realize that your body isn't making enough of the digestive enzymes that it needs. And you need to take them every day for the rest of your life because it will come back. And that's how it, it has been for both of them. And, uh, it's been fine. So that, that's fascinating. Now, what, where where did you get the? I mean, is it something you would buy at Walmart or at a health store? Or? You could. I have bought them at Walmart, but um, I guess it's you know it's kind of up to you. Um, digestive enzymes aren't expensive at all. Mm -hmm. shouldn't Shouldn't be expensive at all. They're uh, they just they just add to what you um, have in your body to digest your foods with. Um, you can probably get them anywhere. I personally live right here in the city, and so I go to Dixie Nutrition. Okay. But uh, anywhere you can get them would be better than not having them, especially as we age. 
if so, we're having the heartburn thing and yeah 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 sounds sounds like an incredible idea and something i had never considered until today so yeah it's it's just a natural thing that we we our body doesn't make enough as we get older or maybe as we have some kind of a chronic condition like my daughter had hmm. so Okay. Well, thank you for the for the story and for the information. Digestive enzymes. Maybe if you're so maybe folks, if you're struggling with some sort of digestive issues, uh, that that might be where you need to go. Maybe you've killed all your good bacteria in your gut, and you need need some more. Hmm. Fascinating topic. All right, we've got to get a, a commercial break in. It's time for weather. When we come back, a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Uh, first of all, mail-in balloting. How is that working for you? Do you are you more likely to vote if you just have to slip it in the mail, even if you have to buy the stamp? Is it worth, you know, 50, 60 cents for you to to vote or a, a trip to, uh, I think they have drop-off boxes around town. Is that is that worth it to you? Are you more likely to vote? And uh, let's see, gender dysphoria. I have a story you are not going to believe when we get back. Morning, everybody. It's 9.38. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm Andy Griffin, and this is The Andy Griffin Show, here every day from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on News Radio 94.9, 890 KDXU. Now, I've got a, I've got a story that you're just going to be like, what? Well, maybe you will. That's, that's, that, that was my thing when, when I read this story. I was like, that, that can't be real, can it? It's, oh, it's real. And it's bizarre. Uh, and now I just have to find it. Let's see. Well, how about that? I've I've lost the story. See if I can find it here somewhere. Uh, basically, the gist of the story is this: uh, there is a school in Pennsylvania, and uh, I'll I'll give you the name of the town as soon as I can find the page that it was on. Uh, but they've uh, remodeled their locker rooms, and you say big deal. They remodeled their locker room. They remodeled their locker rooms. Uh, so that they can be gender neutral. <laughs> Not kidding. They remodeled their entire locker room, and there is no more boys or men's locker room. There is no more women's or girls' locker room. The locker room is now, uh, well, it's gender neutral. I found the story. Here it is. The Eastern Lancaster County School District voted Monday to initiate an ambitious renovation plan to create non-gender specific facilities at its high school in place of traditional gender specific locker rooms. Board members unanimously passed policy 253 on Monday night, the first student of the 2000 the first student day of the 2019-2020 school year. The 2.4 million dollar renovation plan for Garden Spot High School. This is in New Holland, Pennsylvania, includes the design of four quote-unquote zones that will hold a total of 48 private changing rooms and 76 private showers. Uh, Because each of the showers will be private, they can also double as changing rooms, making a total of 124 changing rooms under the new plan. Uh, Yeah, we've worked hard to arrive at a solution that balances varied interests, which is why we're systematically converting multi-user facilities into a series of single-user facilities. So basically, their locker room is going to be a bunch of, their locker rooms, I should say, it's going to be a bunch of cubicles. And in the cubicles, you might have, oh, a 14-year-old girl, a 17-year-old girl, and 
15-year-old boy, uh, an 18-year-old boy, and uh, maybe you throw in there a 13-year-old freshman uh, in the same locker room, separated by a couple of panels of metal, a cubicle. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was 14, 15 years old, young young man, uh, girls were a mystery to me. Girls were uh, titillating. They were scary. They were uh, stimulating, exciting. I certainly knew nothing about the female anatomy, uh, you know, and and to think, <laughs> to think that they they would put me, this this young boy or a boy like me in the same locker room, separated by a cubicle from a girl who is changing or showering, is absolutely one hundred percent ludicrous. I <laughs> I would not have been able to handle it. I I mean. It boggles my mind, actually, that they would think that this is going to be okay, that this is going to work out. Uh, kind of the what were they thinking category. Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, East, Eastern Lancaster County School District is going to do it. They're remodeling their entire locker room setup so that they are by gender locker rooms with cubicles. Whatever. All right, let's go to the phone line. Caller, you're on with Andy. How are you today? Good. How are you, Andy? I'm doing all right. It's a Friday. What, what could go wrong with that? No joke. I can't even imagine what might happen in a transgender locker room. Well, I can see, you know, I remember the good old days, 7th and 8th grade, you know, and all the boys showered together, and there was a little bit of finger pointing for the more mature and the immature, you know. But yeah. Adding girls to the mix now, and then the gender-neutral people or the LGBs, whatever you call them. What about the bathrooms? Everything's going to be gender-neutral, sounds like. Yeah, that's what they're doing, yep. Locker yep. rooms, bathrooms, gender-neutral, Just you, get a cu- you all get your own cubicle. <laughs> I don't know how that works. It just boggles the mind how we're bending over backwards to... The PC crowd. Yeah, it it, it makes no sense. It it just I, I, seriously. All I, I, the only reference I have is myself and then my children, and I can tell you my three sons, as good a boys as they were, you put them in a locker room with girls, knowing there's going to be nudity. Maybe not directly viewing it, at least not on purpose uh, or not uh, not readily apparent. And and something's going to go wrong. It's not a good thing. That's for sure. And besides, most of these school districts are crying they're broke, so look at all this money they just spent doing something like this. You yeah, know? $2.4 million. I don't know. It's this discouraging. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's discouraging. It's frustrating. It's, I'm laughing about it, but it's, you know, as a parent... Well, let me, let me go to the other side. I, I raised three boys. They're grown and married. I have, three, I have two daughters. They are still teenagers. I would not send my daughter into a locker room that includes boys. There is no way. I would pull my kids out of that school so fast it would make your head spin because there is no way in heck that I'm sending my daughter into a room to change clothes where there's a guy there, whether there's a cubicle or not. Forget it. There's no way. I agree 100%. You know, it's just like the cities with the gender-neutral bathrooms where the 
guy dressed up as a girl goes into the girl's bathroom, you know, and yeah. I'd say if my daughter was in there, there's no way that dude's going in there with her. I'd well, be in jail. I'm he, I was going to say, he might go in, but he ain't ever coming out. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. when are you going to have one of these city councils of St. George? Is that coming up? Yeah, like, well, we're, we're trying to work all that out. One of, one of the issues is there's six of them for, and, and so... And we tried having them on at the same time in the past, and it doesn't really work when they're on at the same time because they basically are fighting for microphone time. So basically, we got to try to get all six of them on, but have them each have their own little segment. And uh, I don't know, it's something we're working at. We'll we'll, we'll uh, let you know as soon as we get that all worked out. Well, I hope so because in the primary, well, half the people didn't know half the people running. You know, and that was yeah, that's true. Kind of too bad. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, thanks so, for the call yeah. today. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Six seven three five eight nine zero is the phone number if you want to call and check in on the topic. We're talking about gender dysphoria, and I led with this story about this high school in Pennsylvania that is remodeling their locker rooms to make them gender-neutral locker rooms. They're going to have cubicles, so each person will get their own cubicle, uh, but it is a boy and girl locker room, so literally inches away, separated by a metal panel. Uh, of a cubicle will be boys and girls showering and changing clothes. And uh, I just, uh, I, I, it just freaks me out. I just, I, like I said, I would not send my daughter or my sons for that matter. I would not send them into that atmosphere. Uh, the topic gender dysphoria is fascinating to me in that uh, I, you know, first of all, it's, it's, they're trying to get it recognized as a real thing. And, uh, so I, I did a little Google searching online about gender dysphoria, and the biggest biggest articles out there are written by the American Psychiatric Association. And you say to yourself, Wait, why why are this if if this is a real thing and not something that's in your head, why would the American Psychiatric Association uh, weigh in? Here's here's what they had to say. They said gender dysphoria involves a conflict between a person's physical or assigned gender. And the gender with which he, she, they, that's a hyphenate, or that's a, there, yeah, slashes in between, he, she, they. And when the gender in which he, she, they identify. People with gender dysphoria may be very uncomfortable with the gender they were assigned. They were assigned, sometimes described as being uncomfortable with their body, particularly developments during puberty, or being uncomfortable with the expected roles of their assigned gender. So... The fact that I like to cook, I do. I enjoy cooking. I love making food for my family, and I love when people eat something that I made and say, oh, man, this is good. I love doing that. Apparently, that's a little gender dysphoria by me because uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a woman's role, right? Isn't that, isn't that what they're trying to say here in this little article? And uh, a woman that maybe enjoys uh, woodworking, perhaps, or... Uh, Building something? Would that make them gen- gender dysphoric? I guess. I don't know. People with gender dysphoria may often experience significant distress and or problems functioning associated with this conflict between the way they feel and think of themselves, referred to as experienced or expressed gender, and their physical or assigned gender. So as it turns out, Rosie the Riveter, she had gender dysphoria. How dare she go in the workplace, even though the U.S. needed her during the war? How dare she go into the workplace and do a man's job? That's gender dysphoria right there. 
Yeah, it's a psychological problem. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. Aren't they just passing, or the Utah state legislature is talking about banning psychological treatment of uh, gender dysphoria? What was the word Craig used in the news earlier, earlier today? They were uh, gender reassignment therapy, or I, I don't know what that is. But uh, So is it a psychological problem, or is it not a psychological problem? I, I'm a little confused here. Gender dysphoria. And what, where's the cutoff? If I, I don't know, if I like to brush my hair, does that give me uh, feelings of being a woman? Am I gender dysphoric because I brushed my hair? Uh, what if I secretly paint my toenails? I don't, by the way. But what if I did? Would that, would that make me, uh, would I have a psychological gender dysphoria problem? <sighs> Where do we draw the line? Where does it stop? Apparently it doesn't because now we're remodeling locker rooms so that it fits into both genders so that so that our girls and our boys can change together in the same locker room. Where does it stop? Let's go to the phone line. Caller, you're on with Andy. How are you today? I'm doing well, Andy. Thank you. Uh, where it stops should be where people who still have their wits about them, people who still, uh, still uh, can see reality as it is, not as people wish it was. That's where the line is drawn. We need to start, those of us that still have our wits about us, need to just identify this for what it is. It's a mental illness. It's not unlike anorexia. Mm -hmm. If one of your daughters began to starve herself to death and she continued to tell you, Daddy, I'm just, I'm too fat, I'm too fat, you wouldn't encourage her. You wouldn't say, oh, yeah, Pudgy, uh, you know, you, you really need to cut back on the, on the calories, you would tell her the truth. You would say, sweetie, you're, you ha- you ha- you're not thinking clearly. Right. You have a problem, and we need to get you some help. Right. It's not unlike a child, and I'm, I'm afraid a lot of this actually comes from our culture. It comes from even parents who have lost their connection with reality, and they have a, an 8-year-old boy saying he thinks he's a girl. You don't encourage that. You tell them, honey, God didn't make a, a, a mistake. You're a little boy, and little boys uh, and little girls are part of God's plan, and you may have these strange feelings. We need to get you some help. You're not thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. But instead, we, we play into this, this dementia. I mean, not dementia. It's a, it, it's a delusion. That's why they call it uh, gender dysfunction or uh, a dystopia. I, I forget. Dys- the, dysphoria. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm old. What can I tell you? <laughs> um, and so dysphoria is a description of someone who's not thinking clearly. Yeah. And then we have adults, and these are people, and, and actually, Andy, you hit it right on the head. I pulled my kid out of school, you know, that was a school that was doing that. Why don't we who are still clear thinking, why aren't we doing that instead of just going along to get along? We, you know, where does it stop? Andy, that's the greatest question of the day. Where does it stop? It has to stop with those of us that are still thinking clearly, because there's a lot of people around us that have begin, begun to have these, these errant thoughts that aren't correct, and we play into them. Instead of telling them, oh, no, honey, that's, that's just wrong. You, you're eight years old, and you're having these, these odd thoughts. As, as you grow older, uh, and by the way, all of the studies that have been done that actually are from credible sources uh, so 85% of these kids, by the time they're 18, 19 years old, they grow out of it. Mm-hmm. But if you've already had surgery and you're giving your kids some kind of hormone treatment, 
all you've done is destroyed their life. That's child abuse right there. Absolutely. Child abuse. Mm. All right. Thanks so, for the... so all, all you clear-thinking folks out there, start standing up and Step start up. Yeah. telling people the truth. I agree. Step up. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, thank yeah. you. You know, and the, and the thing about it, and I, I'm a big believer of this. I always have been. You hear people complain about the big picture, whether it's, you know, we're talking gender dysphoria, we're talking about the environment, we're talking, whatever it is that, that bugs you or that, that is a trend that, that is hurting us as a society. Start where you stand. Where are you right now? What, what, what is your status in this world? If you don't like trash on the highway, well, why don't you start by cleaning up the trash around you? And then if you want, you know, if you feel like you need to go a step beyond, clean your, clean up, help you clean up your neighborhood. Help clean up the street that you drive every day. And it's the same thing with this topic, with this gender dysphoria nonsense. Start with your own family. Start with your own kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, and say, look, this, this is not right. And, and I'm going to do something about it in my sphere, my realm of influence. Not a lot of us can take on the whole world, but we can all take on our world, right, the, the area right around us. And uh, like I said, I'm a big believer in that. If you don't like something, change, change it around you first. Then you can start taking on bigger chunks if you need to, but change it around you first. All right, got to get a commercial break. And do want to thank Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney's a local loan consultant focusing on customer service. Joe's been around for more than 25 years here in southern Utah. Uh, uh, on marriages, plus uh, extensive customer service for those that come in and see him. Uh, He gets 4.91 out of 5 stars online. Incredible reviews, uh, including James and Hurricane says, Joe and his team were great to work with. They made sure we were informed every step of the way. Let's go down to, uh, this is Donald in Cedar City. So Jonah's team went far up and beyond for our family. Our costs were way below what we expected. Uh, let's see. Let's go one more. In Parowan, this is Cheryl. She said, thank you all for working so hard to get my loan approved and closed. It's Joe Shoney, the email, joe.shoney, S-C-H-O-N-E-Y, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. Phone number is 435-590-6300. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. It's 9.57, only a couple of minutes left on the show. I did want to touch on this. Uh, last night during the Washington City Candidate Forum, uh, I was the uh, moderator there. Enjoyed that. Had a nice time uh, last evening, and I appreciate those that put it on, including the St. George Area Chamber of Commerce. But one of the topics that uh, was brought up during the forum last night was mail-in balloting. And uh, we've gone to mail-in balloting, uh, balloting the last, uh, I don't know, I think it's the last two elections uh, including the primary just a month or so ago. And uh, I guess my question to you is, is this a good idea? How do you feel about mail-in balloting? Um, I see a lot of positives, and, and I know there are negatives out there. Uh, and, and the biggest one, I think, is probably uh, would be voter fraud. You know, you get somebody who wants to influence the election, they get a hold of a bunch of ballots, and, you know, before they – I mean, it could be as simple as following the mail, mailman and, and picking them up as they're dropped off. Uh, you know, obviously there's, that's against the law, there's mail fraud and things like that. But, uh, you know, if, if they've done enough and, and you, you, you know, you have to send it in, you have to sign it. The signature has to match the signature they have on record with your uh, driver's license and everything. If they've worked all that out, I think that mail-in balloting is absolutely a fantastic idea. And I would say, let's go a step further. 
let's figure out a way to do online balloting. I mean, we all have the smartphones or some kind of a maybe a laptop or an iPad or whatever, maybe a desktop that you spend time on. Let's go a step further. Let's get our balloting done online. If we, you may, maybe you have to some kind of thing you've got to sign or some kind of password you have to fill out or something. But man, if I can do my banking online, if I can do my shopping online, if I can do all these things online, I ought to be able to do voting online. I think that it will help increase the turnout. I think the numbers will continue to go up because that's been one of the problems with voting is apathy. And if we can get folks to just spend three minutes online on their iPad or on their phone voting, I think it's a fantastic idea. So online, well, uh, mail-in voting good, online voting I think even better. Hopefully we'll get to that point. Thanks for listening. Time for news.